0: Hello and welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered. We've got another great episode today for you to listen to. Listen to me real quickly. Please tell your friends to go to their favorite podcast app and add us. You can listen to great content about all things that are NASCAR. We've had some awesome guests already. And today is certainly another day that I'm going to enjoy getting to know a young racer better. It's Ryan Priest. The modified driver that came to NASCAR, won a couple Xfinity races, and now races in the Monster Energy Cup Series. How did it happen? What's his biggest win? I think you're really going to like that story for many different reasons. So be sure to add us and make sure you tell your friends. We're going to talk to Ryan Priest. We're going to talk all things NASCAR. And we're going to do it all right now on Waltrip Unfiltered. Green play, green play. Well, welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered, Ryan Priest. Thank you so much for coming by.
1: Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this, this is cool. our
0: plush studios located in Charlotte, North Carolina here at the Fox Sports Headquarters. Got some of my helmets and stuff. Yeah, got some really nice helmets. Got for, a nice collection. Yeah, that's a Matt Kenseth helmet there. He wrecked me one day at Pocono, and when he autographed it, he wrote on there, uh, you see the smudge yeah. on the shield? That's why I wrecked you. I couldn't, oh, okay. couldn't <laughs> see real good. That's perfect. So, uh, born in Connecticut, and now... Racing in NASCAR, I love hearing the stories about how that happened. How mm-hmm. you were able to to race your way to um, to the big leagues. Now you're you're here. It's mm-hmm. happening, and and yeah. I know the story is about short track racing and modifieds. How did it start? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> there's so many different like
1: there's so many different things you could really start it with. Um, I come from a racing family. Uh, my grandfather on my mother's side owned modifieds. And then my father just wanted to race, and when my parents got married, my mom bought him his first race car, street wow. stock. Yeah. So that's really, that's re- you know, there was so much passion on both sides, but um, I raced, uh, I got in Modifieds really young, and basically the real breakthrough uh, that I had was when I started driving for Eric Sanderson in 2011. Uh, he called me at the end of the season, and Mike Stefanik and him were splitting ways, and Mike left. Uh, with one race to go, and they put me in the car. I, we were fastest in practice, qualified on the pole, and dropped a cylinder, leading the race. So that's that's really what got me to where I am now. Um, one race. Things. One
0: race was that one big of a deal.
1: Big, yeah. I've had a lot of those moments, I guess, and you know now that I look back. But uh, yeah, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, all us racers, we just want that opportunity, and when you get that opportunity, you have to take advantage of it, right? So. That was uh that was kind of like the start of it so you were
0: 21 thereabout when you when you got that big break I was 20 I
1: was it was actually I was turning 21 that weekend yeah yeah uh-huh. so it's uh yeah you don't have to be really young to get those opportunities you know what I mean it, you don't have to be 16 you can be 20 24 25
0: right and and the question a thing that I think is interesting is it seems that it's trending younger and younger. Yeah. But, you know, when I started, I didn't even get to drive a go-kart till I was 12. Do you remember what age you were when you when um, you finally got to drive something? Yeah, I was 7. I mean, yeah.
1: I I I've got your typical story of, you know, I've been racing my entire life. We didn't go on vacations. We didn't really do much of anything other than race. That's that's all we did. My my family sacrificed a lot uh to do that. So, um so I have pretty much the same story, but <clears throat> at the end of the day, I would say that you don't have to you don't really have to be 16 years old and sign with someone to, to make it you know yeah
0: and the, the modified racing up in the Northeast is it's a culture I mean it's more than just a, going to the races it's it's almost like a, a family but a yeah. family that you're liable to fight one night and uh-huh. hug the next huh
1: oh man I've had those nights too I mean I have friends now that you know wanted there was almost fights five years ago after the races we all uh, we have a lot of passion very passionate fans, very passionate people that own Modifieds and, and drivers, too. Um, some of the guys that I race there on the Wheel of Modified Tour, even on a weekly basis, that that run some of those Connecticut tracks or Long Island tracks or New Hampshire tracks, they aren't slouches. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you got to be on your A game when it comes to restarts and because uh, otherwise you're going to get caught sleeping and you aren't going to win that race. So that's that's really, I would say, and guy Bobby Santos – Great race car driver runs midgets, sprint cars, you know everything, and he said he said it to me multiple times. Modified racing, is some of the toughest racing that you're gonna you're gonna deal with.
0: Yeah, your wheels are hanging out. There's, yeah, there's a chance. Don't want to rip one off. <laughs> there's a chance if your wheels are hanging off, you're gonna get somebody mad when mm-hmm. you when you dive into a hole. Do you do you recall? I mean, you had to have heroes growing up that were were modified stars and and really older fellers when you were 20 years old and got your first chance. Do you remember? <laughs> what it felt like to you to to line up next to some of those guys
1: uh yeah absolutely so actually growing up I I always loved watching USAC racing you know what I mean I love sprint cars I love watching Dave Steele uh you know a bunch of those guys so I actually I I just was born in a different part of the country so that was the easiest route for me to go and really easy for me to go racing at you know because Connecticut New Hampshire Pennsylvania everything was super close so um but then there was a time <clears throat> so ted christopher yeah i was really young and uh i was probably 13 years old time he drove I, for
0: me some did he he drove drove in the xfinity series for us a little bit oh i didn't know that yeah. so
1: but i remember i was probably maybe he was 11 or 12 years old at the time we were at new hampshire motor speedway and <clears throat> i believe he was doing a he was gonna start in a cup race that weekend too but I hopped in a truck with him and went to, uh, there's a, I think it was Canaan or, or there was some, some short track up there. We went and watched the race. Fast forward three years, he's sticking a Nerf bar to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you end up racing against those guys. But guys like them, without them actually talking to you or saying or trying to teach you lessons, they're, they're doing it on the racetrack. And if you're picking up on those things, you, you start to figure it all out and things start to click as you get older. But, um, Yeah, lining up against Ted Christopher, you know, I raced Jerry Marquis, Reggie Ruggiero, uh, Mike Stefanik, Jamie Tomato, like so many guys um, that I've raced against that, you know, I sit back. I mean, I'm older now, but when I was 18, 19 years old, you really, you know, as you get older, you start to realize like, man, this is you know, these guys are a part of history and, and like they've, they've done so much. So right. it's, it's
0: pretty cool. What, what, um, who, who were your heroes growing up? Like, and it, it seemed like you said you liked USAC, but it, it seems like the perfect path to, to, yeah. to the Monster Energy Cup Series. Mm-hmm. You, you raced on the short tracks, pavement, then you got Xfinity. And what, who were your heroes? What, what led you in the direction you've gone in? I just loved the race, so I really never chose a
1: path growing up. That was just, I mean, I loved racing, and modifieds were the way to go. But my heroes, I mean, Tony Stewart, uh, Mark Martin, Bobby Labonte. um,
0: Those are pretty good Jeff
1: Gordon. Yeah, some really (laughs) good ones. I I mean, you know, I I I jumped around all the time, right? So um, Kevin Harvick, you know, all those guys. I I liked guys like that. So it was – those were kind of my heroes, and and it was uh I don't know I never really never really sat down as a kid and said I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do this this and this and this mm-hmm. is how it's gonna be it was it was always you know I just wanted to win that's all I wanted to do I just wanted to race and you know as opportunities presented itself <clears throat> opportunities re- like I started racing a lot more right when I started probably 18, 19 years old I went from racing just the wheel and modified tour and maybe a race here and there to I got rides to race weekly uh, at Stafford Thompson uh, full-time at Riverhead with a, with a guy named Bill Park who's a legend over there and I started racing 20 25 times a year to anywhere from 70 to 90 times a year that's got
0: to be awesome to get to race i yeah. I never when I, as a kid I never had those chances to run mm-hmm. 70 80 races yeah that, that has to be a great way for a kid to grow up knowing yeah. that you had to have focus you had to be dedicated mm-hmm. and and it probably put a lot of uh, bad things out of your out of your reach because yeah. you knew what you were doing and what you wanted to do
1: mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely and but it is I mean it comes with a lot of other things I mean you you get done at midnight one night and you're up at 5:30 in the morning trying to catch a ferry to go to Long Island to go race the next night and you're getting home at 3 a.m. the same time because the ferry's not open and you got to drive all the way around the island to come back to Connecticut so um, you know and that's that's just that's life. Yeah. There was there, there was no there was nothing different to me that that's what I did.
0: What did you know about Joey Logano when you were growing up?
1: We raced the same track. I've known Joey for there's actually pictures out there of, of us together. I think it was the Eastern Grands at at one of the tracks that we were at, and one of our buddies has so many pictures of all of us together. But uh, Joey was always really good. You know yeah. what I mean? He just he moved away um, early on. I would say right when I was getting started is kind of when he was moving away and going to Georgia. I think he was going to start running legends and, uh-huh. and late models. So, but Joey's always been a great guy. I've always had a really good relationship with him.
0: Yeah, so I, I can envision in my mind that you don't mind mixing it up with Joey. You know him. You are kids. Yeah. What was it? What was it like the first time you hit the, the the high banks and there was Kevin Harvick? You're like, man, I I grew up looking up to that guy. I gotta. Yeah. I'm think I'm gonna have to put a bumper to him. Yeah.
1: No. That's so. That is. Um, that is definitely something you know 15 years ago or 10 years ago you're you're sitting watching these guys on TV and and then one day <clears throat> you're getting thrown in the wrestling you know the ring with them so uh it is different it's pretty cool but you got to you got to turn off that kind of that that you know fanboy hat off and you got to go race so that's uh that's part of it
0: i remember my first my first moment in nascar when i when i Ran across Dale Earnhardt. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a lot like you as a kid. All I want to do is race, and I had that last name, which obviously helped me open some doors uh, to get some sponsors along the way that, that, that enabled me to get to NASCAR. But when I got there, um, uh, you know, everybody nobody really knew me, as just Daryl's little brother. And I came off turn two at Darlington in the Southern 500, 1985. And, and if I can see it right now happening. And, and it was late, and I was doing pretty – it was my first Southern 500, and I was running the top 20, and I was doing all right, and I come off turn two, and I slipped up. And when I slipped up, I saw in my mirror, it was Dale leading the race, mm-hmm. coming up to lap me. And I I, tr- I was, like, so trying so hard. I made a mistake. You know, I was just trying so hard to get away from him this way, and the next thing I know, I look up, he's, ar- he's already over here. Yeah. It was like he anticipated I was going to screw up, and mm-hmm. so he, he timed it, did the crossover. And back in the day the cars were just so different than they are now. You could almost see a guy's feet, you know, you could see yeah. his whole body up in those old cars with big windows. And that finger came out at me and he pointed at me like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh sh-t. I just almost wrecked Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. And but the, the finger was I took it as a as a as a way for him to say, get your stuff together. Yeah. If you're gonna race out here with us, you better have your stuff together. I, I love that moment. Yeah. And and uh, it was a moment that I almost thought, you know, wow, that was cool. He's, he, res- he respected me. He wanted, mm-hmm. he wanted to help me out. I, I like that, and I just wondered if you, when you, when you, you came here in '16, right, to run some Xfinity. Yep. How, how many times did did you think? How many times did you have to say to yourself? All right, this is the big stage. I got to make sure I know what I'm doing or or was it just another race to you? It's just another race yeah. to be
1: honest with you, but it's funny. Going back to what you're talking about, uh guys, you know, from what I've heard, everybody always used to talk about guys faking with their hands and all this stuff, and it's like I look in my mirror and I think to myself, how did they do? who who could be able to see that, yeah. man? Do my eyes not see as good as theirs or something? But so that's always something I've wondered about—is being able to see in your mirror and actually see the guy's eyes, right? So well, look,
0: look at that helmet—that that country time helmet—that's from my rookie year in '88. Yeah. So that just tells you how wildly different <laughs> things were then. Yeah. And and another thing, not—I'm telling you, it, it it happened and and I saw it. I'm running at Dover, uh-huh. and it's a 500 lapper, and I mean your seat is basically like riding on a paint can back then, and it's hot as hell, and I'm I, I needed. I needed four arms. Mm-hmm. I was fighting that car so hard. I only had two. Earnhardt laps me. He's sitting just like this. <laughs> yeah. He's got his right hand on the roll bar, mm-hmm. holding himself up, leading the race. Yeah. And and it was the the memories, and you can look it on YouTube of of how you could see this whole guy in that car. It's just so different now.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's and that's what it kind of comes back. I, I talk about modifieds being old school. But there's a racer, Doug Kobe, that I've kind of had a rivalry with. Yeah, he drives with one hand and there's one hand on the on the seat, and I look over and I'm just like, what? "What's going on here?" <laughs> like I got two hands, I'm driving it, and he's just wheeling it one handed. So, uh, but then going back to what you were talking about with when you get back on that racetrack and kind of the respect of other drivers just being out there for me, I've never I've never thought of that as gaining respect. It's when you get those moments of racing with guys and, and passing them or, or setting them up and doing it without touching them. That's or even even, you know, getting out of getting out of the way, um when they're racing, you, you kinda wanna have that respect and that's how you earn respect. You know, and that's that's how I've felt about it. But I've also had points where, you know, Ted Christopher to be one, him and I went at it quite a bit. Um, where they teach you lessons. Yes. Uh, I remember I, uh, there was a big $25,000 to win show at Thompson back in 2000, 2011 or 2012. I think it was 2011. We had a really fast car, and they had an invert, and we're driving from 10th, and we're getting there. We, we finally get the second. I slid, like you call it a slide job, but in modifieds, it's almost like a nerf. You know, you use the nerf bar and kind of make them move, move them up, and you yeah. get by them. Well, that next corner, he he went into the corner and used the bumper right on me and moved me right out of the way, and I dropped about twelve spots. So it was like, you aren't going to pass me like that, and and he made sure that I wasn't going to do that. So uh, and that was one of those lessons, like you can't you can't just do this. You can't bully your way through sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
0: you gotta you gotta respect yeah. racers, and and mm-hmm. I know that's how you were raised. I've I've listened to you say all the time. You know, not not to put a bumper on them just to get the, make the move. That's that's rewarding <laughs> when you set yeah. up a guy and, and pull it off cleanly like that.
1: Yeah, and I try to do the same thing. I mean, I get irritated when when I get when I go back to the modifieds and and I get somebody who's just you know they're all over my bumper hitting me coming to a start or you know even even when we're green they catch me and run me down instead of trying to set me up they'll they'll just whack you in the middle of the corner. It's like okay I'm going to teach you a lesson here and
0: hopefully you figure it out. <laughs> Cause it's my job now. Yeah. Cause I yeah. I've been there and done that. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about your career. 2012 second in the Wayland Modified Tour Series, and then 13 you won the the, the championship, and then 14, 15 second again. That's mm-hmm. that's a four year four year run there where you're pretty <coughs> solid.
1: Yeah. No. Me and like I said, Doug Kobe. That's the one who I've kind of been going back and forth with we've had a rivalry and it's been a lot of fun. I felt like we pushed each other to be honest with you. And I'm sure you've had this in your career where you've gotten racing someone and and every time you get on that track, they just they push you to be that much more. And uh, I you know, I think you see that in the cup series. You see Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, you see the elite guys, they push you to get that much more. Yeah. And I was just saying to my wife this weekend, I'm like, it's been a while since I've felt like I've needed to really put like push hard and dig deep and And that's where I'm at right now is, you know, you're digging that much deeper and you're trying to find that much more. And, and, uh, and that also goes back to a guy, Ryan Newman. I've been racing him on the modified, you know, whenever he'd run New Hampshire for a while now. And as I started to progress and and get into these stock cars, he's like, okay, there's going to be things you feel in these stock cars that when you get back into that modified, you're going to understand why they did what they did. And. And uh, you know and that just comes down to to pushing yourself that much more and noticing all those things as you as you race more. you
0: know. He's been impressive in the few starts in the mod that he gets. I like yeah. watching that.
1: Yeah, I, I love messing with him and, and talking about fights <laughs> with him.
0: He, you know and, and he loves racing them, so it's gonna be fun. So I think that a lot of times statistics don't tell the whole story mm-hmm. and a great you're a perfect example of that. i'm <clears throat> um, I'm an example of that too. I once. Lost more races than anyone ever had, and then won one. My record um of of the losses at the at this beginning of my career, and then a win. No one's ever done before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's been a couple of guys in NASCAR that lost more, but they they never won. Mm-hmm. And so that's a stat that I have to live with. But I don't think it it defines me. I don't believe. I I just believe I was better than that. Mm-hmm. And your your stats to me are really interesting. I talked about 12, 13, 14, 15 mm-hmm. in the modified tour winning the championship second three times. And in 16 you go Xfinity Racing and you run the whole series, mm-hmm. one top 10. Yeah. And not a whole lot to, you know, to, to, yeah. to really hang your hat on. What what did you what did you think at that point? You were so successful in the mods. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting to run NASCAR, which is something that you really wanted to do. But 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 you're not you're not getting the finishes, the results. where where, where were you mentally in, in that year?
1: I was ready to go. I mean, it, it wasn't one of those where you uh where you wanna be a big sm big big fish in a small pond, go home and go racing. I just want to race to win. And <clears throat> you know, nothing against the team I was driving for at the time, but I, I didn't feel like we were gonna be able to win unless, you know, something crazy happened at a super speedway or whatever it may have been. It was just that's that's what I felt. I didn't feel like we could compete with JGR or the RCRs or the Roushes or, you know, all the other elite teams that were there. And it's like, man, I'm a racer. I'm just like, I've come from winning, you know, I was winning anywhere from 15 to 20 races a year to, to not even feeling like I could contend. And, and that's part of that, being on that side of the garage. You don't have tires every time you pit. Yeah. There's just, there's other obstacles that you got to deal with. So... Like you're talking about stats. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. I got one top ten at Darlington, and that was it.
0: And um, But you had to walk away from there thinking it's a top ten at Darlington. Yeah. Darn it.
1: Uh, yeah, but that was, you know, at, at the time, too, um, that was kind of strategy worked out really well. It wasn't, you know, I, I like earning things, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't completely feel like I earned that top ten. You know, it was we, we ended up there.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, seventeen's a whole different story. Yep. I know you're racing your mod um, and won the owner's championship. Yeah. I'm My timeline's right, right? You got this nailed. And actually,
1: so that was, I took over everything on the modified side. Crew chief, you know, getting the car prepared, everything. And I'll never forget this because I got, I felt like I got the respect to my father that uh, that weekend is, I went to a race for the first time without him all by myself with with three of my, four of my buddies, all right. we go up to New Hampshire, and it's a big race and and I won and I remember I woke up the next day all <clears> right <throat> my my spotter told my father he's like, "Oh, Ryan won this weekend I was like what <laughs> what you know what I mean because uh it was just one of those moments like. My kid can do this. You yeah. know what I mean. I don't. I don't have to hold his hand. He's capable, and right. uh, that was pretty cool. But yeah, going into seventeen, that was that was a big year between the modified stuff. We won the owner championship. We won a lot of races. I think that was one of my winning, winningest years on the modified tour and in a modified, and uh, and obviously the JGR stuff.
0: All right, this seems out of the out of left field. All of a sudden, four opportunities in a Joe yeah. Gibbs car. Now it takes money to do that. Nobody's nobody's mm-hmm. gonna. Act like it doesn't yep it takes talent to win and and money money to get here yep it it, it and money can get you here but money won't keep you here yeah no yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've lived all this so i know it pretty good mm-hmm. uh, how did you get together with jgr and get those four races and then the way you performed was just awesome yeah.
1: so <clears throat> when uh, obviously everybody knew carl edwards retired and daniel moved up I lived in Kevin Mannion Bono's race shop when I was down here, and when I moved home, when all that happened, I had the TV on. I knew what was going on, and he called me. He said, hey, you need to call Steve D'Souza, and what happened was I raced for so many good people and had really good relationships with them. They knew that if I got the right opportunity that I would do what I did. And I believed in it. There was no if-ands or buts. There was no "I'm not gonna." I'm gonna finish fifth. I'm gonna do this. There was "I'm gonna win." I'm gonna do whatever it took. And um, so, as soon as I got done talking to Steve, you know, I had multiple people along with some backers that helped me make it possible. And uh, you know, it comes down to the right place at the right time. I think we all you hear people talk about it all the time. I'm sure you've been there mm-hmm. along with seen it by multiple times multiple people and uh you know i'm very fortunate to be surrounded by the people that i've been surrounded by and and that i'm still friends with to this day and i still talk to them on a weekly basis
0: so in the discussion with steve they said we got four races if you want them you can
1: it was two races actually Ah. yeah so So it was only supposed to be two right so you
0: were able to get sponsorship run two races Mm -hmm. and and you won iowa
1: i won iowa and finished second in new hampshire to kyle
0: and so you're you're thinking, I knew I was right. Well, I was,
1: and you want to know what? And I remember I was sitting under the, I I'll, when I got the call to run Kentucky, uh, I was sitting under pulling the transmission out, getting ready to go run Loudon on the modified tour in like a week. So I, it, that was a complete like, okay, here we go. This is another opportunity I got to do. We got we to gotta do what we can to win this one too. Yeah. And uh, Gabe Hart, Chris Gabe Hart was the crew chief. And, uh, we were running second to Reddick, Tyler Reddick time. And that was when the 42, I mean, they were just so fast at, at Kentucky and, and him and I both agree. We are both racers. We want to win that race. So he's like, all right, I can take a big swing at it. I'm like, just do it. All right. Well, we do that and we're finished. We're running second. I mean, I am looser than Steve Kinzer, you know, out there. So (laughs) we, uh, we definitely did what we needed. You know, we tried to do what we thought we needed to do and we ended up fourth that race. But, uh. I had a lot of fun with those guys, for it, sure.
0: It was so cool to see you come on the scene and, and know that everything that had gone into it, and then you get the results. So you know you get the the, the accomplishments of having having the success, and then it led to where you are today, mm-hmm. and and where you are today, <clears throat> I think is interesting because you've been here before. You're in a team. You're with a team that's that's awesome. I love Tad and Jody. I love all the marketing they do and the cars. Are 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 nearly there, yeah. but you know you you're just a notch off. Uh, whether it's setup or arrow, whatever it is, but you're a notch off. And when you start a season like you have in 2019, how do you departmentalize and keep everything straight in your brain to go out and and do the best you can? That's tough.
1: I think you know just like any racer, racing's full of highs and full of a lot of lows. And they can really get you down, but there's times, you know, that's why that's why I continue to race my modified and do those because it keeps you, keeps you going like, okay, I won here. I know it's at this <laughs> stage, but I still won. Like, you know what I mean? But uh, going back, JTG, I said this at the beginning of the season, they aren't, you know, it's not, <clears throat> it's not the same situation because they are a very well-funded team. You know, thanks to Kroger, Maxwell House, and, and all our partners, um, they they have tires every week. I joke with Ernie Cope, who's who's the competition director, and Tad. When I sat down with them, uh, one of the first questions I asked was, do you guys buy the full allotment of tires?
0: <laughs> because, <laughs> that's you know, that's... I don't. That's where you've been your whole life. If we don't have tires, we can't win.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So it's, uh, you know, they have brand new cars. They build brand new cars. It's all in-house. Uh, they, they have a Hendrick Motorsports uh, engine deal with them, and we, we're provided with great power. So we have the tires, we have the chassis, we hang our own bodies, and we have the power. I, I don't see it I mean, I know there's a lot of technology that goes into these things, but you've seen the you've seen the stories where the the underdog ends up beating the big dog. Yes. And I feel like if hard work's put there, um, if the hard work's put in and, and everything everything aligns, you'll see that story again. It just comes down to the it comes down to not willing to not be willing to say okay well this is going to be where we're going to end up being. Yeah. And I've kind of had that attitude my entire life is I'm not willing to accept the fact that I'm just going to run here. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get here. Yes. And that's what I think if you want to be successful that's the way you have to be.
0: Well and when the season started it, there was <clears throat> you know there was a lot of highs for you. I mean mm-hmm. some good performances and then uh, s- several top 20s, you know, yeah. r- several running up toward where you want to be then you 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 run third at talladega which was an awesome finish and a great job mm-hmm. by the way but since then it just doesn't seem like things are working out mm-hmm. as well and as a driver that's a winner and you talk about having all the parts and pieces uh, do do you try to immerse yourself more in the team and go to the shop and say what how do i help what can i do or or do you let let the uh, let the <coughs> smart people handle all that how's that work for you
1: I think that's a fine line. I think you you have to stay involved um to understand kind of what direction that you're heading, but at the same time there's people that are hired to do what they're doing for a reason. They're smart, right? So um it, it's kind of one of those things where we're going through a we're going through a little bit of a rough period, I would say. Um but I have confidence in everybody around me to to help dig us climb out of that hole, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um I think we were we were ahead of Daniel in the rookie points by, by a good margin he's kinda of surpassed us and paths. so but we got a whole second half of the season, we kinda of, kinda of, gotta regroup and we got a teammate, you know, Chris, he's great to work with. He's a great guy and, you know, just kinda of lean on him a lot and and uh move forward and try to get some good results.
0: Yeah, you talked about your friend Daniel. You wanna you want a bright spot here and in- here and there every now and then. And you were in California on the road course racing your buddy, Daniel. Yep.
1: Yeah. Daniel and I, we've actually, so I, I, Daniel's a great guy and he's a great racer. And we've, we've met each other along the way. He actually raced on the modified tour at one point too. So like at certain points in our career, we've kind of like came back together and raced each other. And then we split apart, you know, our paths have crossed so many different times.
0: What a great guy though. Yeah. I mean, I, I love him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's awesome. He's always been great to me.
0: Yeah. Well, and and that brings me to to the point of uh, bringing up the K and N race in California. Uh, Daniel sent out a tweet um, that basically said, "Ryan didn't jump, I just didn't go." Yeah. That that's that's pretty cool that he would do that, but but it also kind of makes me mad that that you didn't win that race.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean it's so it's like I said.
0: Um, if you're a competitor, you supposedly jump said you didn't jump then yeah
1: i don't know i don't know it's it's
0: I'm sure it's hard for you to
1: it's a tough situation here but through. you know and that comes back to he got such a good restart the one before that he actually passed me and then we had the yellow flag and you know since the, their rules are a little different i got yeah, the lead back
0: right you, you ought to have seen daryl and i we were we were up in the were you uh, confused yeah like, we what's were, going on here? we were up in the carousel and yeah. they would crash and the yellow would come out yeah. and people be driving around each other oh, under yeah. caution so yep but that's the rules
1: yeah, so going, coming, coming to turn eleven, that hairpin, whatever you want to call it, uh, <clears throat> I heard he was in second gear, and I'm like, I'm gonna back the pace up and see if he downshifts. And he downshifted, and you know, he spun his tires really bad. So I'm like, okay, his gearing's a little different than my transmission. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this a little different here.
0: And the reason why you know that was because you were under your modified pulling the transmission yeah. out, so you understand all. Well, of it.
1: <laughs> I've been around. I've, i I've, I've won races on restarts, and I've lost races mm-hmm. on restarts, and. You know that Iowa. I go back and I think about that last green white checkered at Iowa with me and Kyle Benjamin. That was a life changer right there. And I wasn't. And I said the same. I said to my wife Heather, I'm like, when on that last one at in the K and N restart, I said I'm not giving this race up. I'm going to win this race. And that's the attitude you have to have if you want to win. You know, you you got to dig deep, and it doesn't matter whether it's in a go kart on a bike or or you know in in the cup series you're doing the same thing so but yeah I know it's a tough situation I like winning I like trophies I've never won a road course race in my entire life because I've never done I haven't done very many and uh, those guys brought me a great race car, and I thought I thought that race, you know, that, that restart was Clorox clean, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I
0: mean, the car was Clorox clean it after was. all that racing, too. Yeah. Everybody else's stuff was torn to pieces. And you talked about Kroger giving you the chance to run both of them out yep. there. That was a really cool weekend for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know? no, it's awesome. I mean, I'm very lucky to be uh, be with Tad and Jody and, and everybody over there at JTG and JTG Doherty. Um, and, you know, just we'll get out of that hole and we'll start, we'll start pushing for some better finishes.
0: Well, and they take good care of you. I saw your Kroger commercial where they brush your teeth and clean your ears.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. it's almost like they do everything for me.
0: (laughs) So as a kid, did, did you, I know you talk about being a racer and how you just like being behind the wheel. Did, did you have a, a great concept for all the marketing that would, would need to be put into being that racer (laughs) that you are? No,
1: I am. I'm not a marketing guy. Uh, I remember I tried early on to, to try to put together packages, and it's, I didn't understand how to sell it. I didn't understand the, the B2B side of it or anything like that. I, I just knew a logo on a race car, and there's so much more to it. So um, when I came, you know, and, and I've always been really lucky, um, people have approached me. Uh, when it came to local racing, you know, I was racing for a chassis builder at the time at Stafford Motor Speedway, and a sponsor actually sent a email to the racetrack saying they wanted to get in contact with me to sponsor RSK so we could race more, and that's kind of how that happened, and, you know, there's just just stuff like that. It's just, I guess, winning had a lot to do with it, but also having a, you know, not being a, a punk kid or anything like that kind of helped the whole cause
0: yeah yeah and and it's it's interesting to me because it seems chris is the same way y'all do mm-hmm. the the grilling commercials together and and doing yeah. all the stuff that tad and jody are so great at and brad Darty. um it, and, but it looks like you're enjoying it i mean it's just oh, yeah. part of it right
1: they do a great job with the commercials they're actually fun to shoot and we uh they do them really quick, but they, they come together so so well. I yeah. mean, I go back and watch them, and usually I just I try not to watch any of that stuff, And but they actually, they're fun. You know, they do a really good job.
0: Um, speaking of marketing, we're, we're the Fox family, and we had our last race this weekend in mm-hmm. Sonoma, and, and it was Daryl's last race in the broadcast booth. And uh, I, I have a question, I haven't asked you about this. When we came over to see you on, on the gridwalk, and you said to him, I am comfortable in my car. Yeah. Is that the first time you've ever said that to him? Mm-hmm, I, yeah. Is well, that I the first conversation y'all really had? That's
1: that's really one of the first conversations. I mean, I always drive by, I see his nice, cool golf cart. Well, yeah. I don't even know what that thing is. It's cool, though. But, um, yeah, that was really, like, one of the first conversations I've ever had with him. <clears throat> but I always, I go back, I watch practices. That's part of my routine, you know, I just to see what other people are doing. Because when you're in that car, it's... You're in your own little world, right? You only know what's going on in your your cockpit and your car. So I like to go back and watch stuff. And I, I, between him and Jeff, I remember Jeff at Daytona. He's like, "Ah, oh, you might want to put some padding in there." And I'm just like, <laughs> I, "I feel comfortable, and I, I don't. I'm not sore after races. It's just that's that's how I feel. That's how I feel natural. Yeah. You know. And it's weird. I know people. So JGR always called it the Hans check. Whenever I go like this, I'm I'm just naturally doing it. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: I thought it was funny that I, I I assumed that y'all had never talked about it, and I knew what uh, you know. Yeah. I, I knew what you were talking about because uh-huh. I I've, I watch all that stuff too, and I yeah. I love every bit of it. Um, as we head to Chicago and and get ready for the summer stretch, <laughs> what 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 do you think is going to help you take that next step? What do you think is going to going to propel you into the top fifteen, top ten? I know you got the parts and pieces. Um, it just—it's just repetitions too. That'll help as well.
1: Uh, you know, with with the package the way it is, it's it's kind of similar to go kart racing in a way. But you, you got to be wide open, right? And and not scrubbing speed. And there's so many different ways to to get these cars to do what you want to do. I mean, you can bump stop, you can coil bind, you can you can pretty much do anything. I mean, it's just really what's going to feel, what's going to keep your best aero platform for when you lose that downforce and. I think it's just trying to find the setup we need right now uh, to, to be able to do those things and kind of bump us from where we are to there.
0: So I, th- I had an idea last night at about 2 a.m. That, <laughs> <laughs> that I would ask fans to tweet me questions and, and I would get you to answer them. And so I wanted to read a couple and you tell me your answer. Thomas Jarrett wants to know, what was your favorite DW call?
1: Yes, yeah, so that's tough. I mean, uh, I so many. Yeah, there was a lot of them. I mean, you tell me some of your good stories here.
0: <laughs> well, um, my favorite one was when, you know, I won Daytona and he said, You got it, Mikey. But unfortunately, that, that day turned out right. crappy. Yeah. But that was a great moment mm-hmm. in time, if you will. Um, I got another question from an NHL fan Do you enjoy running Riverhead? And did you ever look up to Steve Park since y'all took the same route to NASCAR? So, when I
1: was younger, he took off, and I knew he raced modifieds. I do love running Riverhead. That's actually, it's a quarter-mile bullring. It's like the Bowman Gray of the Northeast, right? So, um, but Steve Parks, so I still, and I was telling you a little bit about this. He he has a shop down here, and I break my phone a lot because I drop it (laughs) on the ground or it falls out of my pocket under the car. Do you go to his battery and? Bulbs and Plus, yeah. Yep, I go over there. So, um, he, I always, like, Hearing his stories.
0: Oh, he's awesome,
1: and he's got so he's told me a few of them about him and Dale. Yeah, you know, and and how he when he was living at Dale's house, uh, Dale would come in early in the morning, kick his bed, and tell him to get up. You know what I mean? Or even the time he was working for him. But um, you know, maybe one day you'll have to have him on or or whatever. But um, no
0: doubt, he's on the list, and, and he's he's awesome. I got a refreshing steve park uh visit a couple weeks ago he we saw each other down in charlotte and it was fun catching up
1: Mm -hmm. so going back and this is kind of what put it all into perspective for me because i always used to say and we all we almost all use the term fun loosely right We, we talk about having fun and to me just like steve i always said steve do you miss racing and he looked at me and said ryan i miss winning and to me that really hit home i'm like you know what that makes sense like that's that's what I love doing. That's that's how I have fun is winning. So uh that was my Steve Park story. That's what made me really realize a lot of things about me, my love of racing, but how competitive I really am.
0: Yeah. And yeah. and and he he is such a great guy and, and to have that have what y'all have in common and then now have that moment when he, he, he made you realize, yeah, you sound just like me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was like a, you know, it clicked. So,
0: what 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 was your biggest? What has been your biggest win? Single win so far in your career? Was it uh, Iowa? Was it Bristol? Well, was it? That's the tough part. The spring like, sizzler. Like I, yeah. I like all those races.
1: There, there is a lot of races. So I, I categorize them. They're all different. They all have different meanings. Yeah. Iowa was a huge moment for me because that's what got me to where I am. That's that that and Bristol. Bristol was what solidified it. Uh, that New Hampshire race I told you about, where I earned the respect of my father, that was a, that was one of the biggest wins for me emotionally. You know, when I won that race, I always talked. Actually, going back early in my career, I always won races, and I got out of the car, and I you know, you do the whole thing, you're happy. But it was like a feeling of emptiness in a way because I wasn't preparing the cars back then; I was just driving them. And when I put all that work into that car and I went and I won that race, it was like, man, all this hard work, it paid off. And that's, that's where all the emotion came in. And that's where it was like, okay, from then on out, it was, you know, every race had so much more meaning to it. And uh, so that was one of the biggest wins yeah. and it, it, and it wasn't one of the biggest races that I've ever won. So it, it's weird. I mean, Martinsville, I've won there, uh, Bristol on a modified. I mean, I, I don't really have one, you know, but, but that, I would obviously say Iowa and Bristol are some of the biggest, were the biggest wins for my career.
0: Well, my favorite win right now is the one at New Hampshire with your dad, like because you put that car together, oh, yeah. and you knew how, mm-hmm. like, you didn't you didn't yeah. ask him for his blessing, yeah, and and you it was a big moment for you because you built the car, yeah. So obviously your father knows everything about you because mm-hmm. he was able to say, yeah, son, wow.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember my mom looking at me and saying, you know, he's proud of you. So that was still remember it just like you remember in 1985 at Darlington with Dale Earnhardt pointing out his window. You know, it was uh, it was a cool memory for me.
0: Um, Walter Word Association. We do this every week with the guys. And the funniest one was was when I said Kyle, when I said Larson to Tyler Reddick. And he said they took a little bit of great race car driver and just dumped it all over him. Uh-huh. That's the respect that Kyle Larson had from Reddick. Yeah. Who, who, who do you have that kind of feeling for today on the track? Who, who do you think is getting the most out of their car? When, and i got to figure out another word. i got to use the word association game, but I, it just led me to think about that. What do you see that you like a lot out there on the track?
1: I mean, a lot of these guys are really good. Like, yeah. that's why they're there, right? Um, but, I mean, you, you see guys like Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch, uh, Martin Truex. You know, these guys all get a lot. You know, mm-hmm. they dig deep and get that little bit more. So, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for all these guys, every single one of them. I, don't, I wouldn't say necessarily I respect one more than the other. Um, but, yeah, these, you know, hopefully one day I can actually be racing against them and or when I mean race against them, racing them for a win on a greenway checkered, right?
0: That's what it's all about. Yep. And wow, man, that was a lot of fun. I love Ryan Priest, such a racer, a kid that really had a plan and the plan had to change and he adapted to it and is making the most of it. Awesome to spend time with these young drivers and get to know who they are, where their heart is, what drives them. And you can tell Ryan's just a guy that loves to race. And I'm a guy that loves to talk about racing. And you know what else I'd love? For you to tell your friends about Waltrip Unfiltered and add us via your favorite podcast app. You can also check out Twitter, Facebook, YouTube for great videos from our podcast. I think you'll enjoy those. We add them up every day. So thanks for listening so much. Looking forward to next week.